Welcome back, everybody, to the Unboxing Judaism Podcast. My name is Rabbi Ari Wolby. And I'm Rabbi Yaakov Nagel. And it is the last day in February, and we're about to get into the week of Purim, the celebration, the festivities. But I felt it was very important because of the world that we're living in is uh, very challenging. It's a very interesting, amazing world that we're living in. But there's there's its sheer of challenges. And the one I wanted to discuss, Rabbi Nagel, is, you know, the, probably the number one topic being discussed in any parenting class is technology. What do you do with children and technology? What do you do with adults and technology? What do we do with all of this amazing gift, th- th- this amazing gift of technology? And the way I want to present this, Rabbi, Rabbi Nagel, is that I'm a very firm believer that everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created is to bring his children closer. So whether it be the television, the radio, the internet, although there could be some very negative elements, I think that overall, HaKadosh Baruch Hu allowed it, the Almighty allowed it to be in this world so that it can do good things for the world and bring his children closer. So that's the premise with which I ask, what is the approach that one should have towards technology? It's such a super good question. And also, like, you know, it's funny because you're asking this question while we are posted on all the different venues. Utilizing technology to convey ideas and deep concepts. And it's so crucial, so fundamental to think about the unbelievable opportunities that technology is providing for us as uh, people who focus on Torah and wanting to convey and teach and learn with others and the ability to go across the world, it's mind-boggling. It's just mind-boggling. Million listeners of, of, uh, it's, it's mind-boggling. There's no way, uh, from the time of creation that there was like that kind of, uh, exposure. Exposure. And of course, there's another idea that's Zelumazelukim, that uh, God creates something that it, it by definition will always have a positive avenue and a negative avenue. And it's really, and in the area of technology, it's, it's, it's such a super challenge. And I think that really the, fir- the, the truth is, is that as a people, we're still grappling with it. It's something that we don't really have a good grasp on how to handle it because it's a new challenge. You know, it's always easy to go back to, you know, hey, let's go back to the precedent. It's unprecedented. What kind of precedent? This is something that never existed. It's not, uh, it's not something that you could really look back towards and say, well, what did we, what did our fathers do? What did our grandfathers do? That's really not even in the world, uh, that we're dealing with. It's a new world. Uncharted and, territory. Uh, exactly. And therefore that creates a challenge that, that, uh, takes a lot of really deep thought to really develop and think about before, you know, um, and coming, I don't believe it's going to be something nuanced that you really have to think deeply. And uh, I think like you say, a hundred percent, absolutely. This is part of the will of God in the times before Mashiach to have these avenues to convey um, on such a broad scale and to have access to information to such a great degree which, of course, allows us to have access to misinformation to such a great degree. And 
But something that we that I learned from my children is something called TMI. Too much information. It's a big problem. You don't want to know intimate details of everything. It's overload and it's dangerous. So there's uh there's a, the this is what the challenges are. And I'd love to hear first your approach and then like maybe we'll try and combine combine it together. So the first anytime I talk about this with any of my students, the first thing that I hear from them is like, why do we need to have any type of restrictions? Let people just be mature adults and be responsible for what it is that they do. And it's the, the equivalent of saying to our children, why don't you just, you know, leave heroin hanging around and just tell the children, just don't touch it or things like things of that nature. And people, oh, heroin, that's pretty uh, severe. Yes, it's actually that severe because the damage that happens to people through Exposure to the internet is really pretty radical. And you see people who want to shoot up a mall or want to go and do crazy things because they've been exposed on groups and group chats on different, uh, online, uh, forums, uh, took to some crazy, ridiculous. You don't have to go to the, the avenue of violence. I think if you think about it, the, the, the addictions that are created is such, there's, it's like, it creates an addiction to so many things um, that's so readily available. Right, so I, I'm, I'm going to get to all the productivity uh, violations that that uh, come from from overexposure to the internet and and to technology. But I think the first thing is that I think we have to set the first like the, the groundwork, the the premise here. The premise is that in Judaism. There is, the Talmud says that ain apotropos la rise. There's no one who's trusted when it comes to matters of infidelity, matters of sexuality or immorality. These are things that are nobody, nobody, nobody is trusted. If we're human, if we're human. And we're living. And we're alive. These, these are challenges that exist in every human being. And that's a very important principle to know that Oh, that's beneath me, or like, I'd never do that. The last four governors of New York State were kicked out of office because of an inappropriate relationship with a coworker or assistant or a staffer or whatever. You'd think someone understands, look, I'm the leader of the state. I should have some. No, no, no. There's nobody who's trusted. Nobody. The Torah says, ain't up a trouble. That means. That means that a 90-year-old man with a an 18-year-old woman are not trusted to be alone together. What? You're suspecting? No, we're not suspecting. We're just not trusted. And the Torah provides for us the guideline that someone who is in such a situation should avoid not being alone with a woman you're not married to, et cetera, et cetera. There are, there are rules and principles that are put in place so that we don't fall into a trap. So that's number one, which I think that it's important for us to establish from the get-go that there's no one who's trusted. Now, my rabbi would sent us out in a, a notice to all of his students. He has hundreds of students of which the vast majority of them, maybe all of them, are rabbis. They're all ordained rabbis. They've all gone through rabbinic school. And he sent the following puzzling email to all of his students, and it's it's obvious to me, but he said that anyone who doesn't have a filter on their devices basically like lose my number. 
Don't call me. Why? That's also obvious why. Because if you don't care about your own spirituality, then you're not my student. Then what, what are we talking about? The idea is that a person should care about their own spiritual state to a point where they'll want to do everything in their power to preserve their level of holiness and spirituality. So I, on all of my devices, have a protective measure for myself. And no, not because I'm suspected of going someplace, but to have an extra measure of protection so that a person doesn't, at a moment of weakness, at a moment of boredom, or a moment of someone sends you a link, that you don't fall into a trap, God forbid, which the Yetzahara, the evil inclination, is trying to push a person to, perhaps. So that's across the board. It doesn't say, well, if you're a graduate of my place and you're, you graduated with honors, then we don't, we don't, we don't have any questions. We see that at every level of, you know, they say about Aristotle. Aristotle lived a very, very promiscuous lifestyle. He's a great philosopher. He's brilliant, brilliant mind, brilliant philosophy, brilliant ideas. And his students once found him in a very, very compromised state. They said to him, Aristotle, you're the, you're the great Aristotle. How is it possible that you do this? He says, no, no, no. Now it's just, now I'm just a human. Now I'm not Aristotle. And later on, I'll put back my Aristotle hat. That's not the way a Jew lives. A Jew, wherever we are, no matter if we're on vacation, no matter if we're home or we're away or we're at a conference, it doesn't make a difference. A person needs to carry themselves the same way with holiness, with dignity as a representative of the Almighty. So we're not saying that anybody's accused of anything, God forbid. What we're saying is that we have to create a protective measure because everyone is fallible. Everyone is able to fall into a weak point that that extra protection will be there for them in that weak moment. I have a few, a few interesting points. You know, there's a laws of family purity and, uh, the words that the, that Shlomo Mel King Solomon uses to describe it is, uh, uh, we use it in English as a hedge of roses. Okay. And what that means is, is that, is that the Jewish people, we don't need, it's not forbidding things so much as having that built in reminder at, at, a, at the time that we need it that keeps us in line, that keeps us in check. And I think that's really what it's, what it's really all about. We're not talking about, you know, locking yourself off from technology so much as having that checkpoint that's going to keep you from going further so that you have that reality check. So you have that recognition before is like, I'm going into a place that I really shouldn't be going and that will stop you from doing that. I think that's really a very, and you know, you can apply that in so many ways in where you, how you conduct yourself. I'll give you just an example, a simple example, man, a husband and wife, both of us have an, a relationship that my phone is open. You know, you can access my phone and I can access your phone. And whenever you want to, you know, and obviously a lot of my conversations are with people as a rabbi. There's things that are uncomfortable or whatever it is that I have to deal with, with people's situations. But as a protection for myself, I feel that's very helpful because I know that my wife will and does regularly go through my phone. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that knowledge itself, just knowing that 
is knowing that there's another set of eyes on what's there. And that's a very good thing. I think it's a very, uh, for me, that's a very special, a very important thing. Simple. An accountability holder. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it affects my behavior. Anyway, I want to share with you a, a few other interesting insights. Let's talk about children, for instance. And I think this is really, really what it is. What, what happened with the abundance of technology is we are, we are in a situation where we have no choice, absolutely no choice to let our children grow up without developing with them a deep, meaningful relationship. There's no option. My view, because if you're not going to have that real relationship, you're not going to be there for them when they're exposed to things that's dangerous. That's what I think is part of one positive, very positive thing of all this technology that in some ways are so unavoidable because if I don't let them do whatever it is and I create all kinds of fences for them, it's so easy for them to create their own. If I, if they feel it's too harsh on them, they're going to create their own. There's no way of just locking them in a box without completely developing a deep, meaningful relationship, discussing these things and them being aware of your views and them being aware how it, you know, how important it is and the, the, the value of what Kedusha means, which is, we don't have an English word. Holiness for or sanctity. Sanctity, but I mean, we don't know what that means, but the Kedusha is, is a word that we use to describe. You know it when you see it. That's really what it is. So you know it when you see it. Somebody that's living that exalted life, that life of, of meaning, of connecting to God in every aspect of his life. That's, what we want to convey to our children. That's what we want to be ourselves. And we are, of course, children ourselves. And that's another thing that I think you wanted to bring up here. Yeah, my, my general philosophy on this is not an extremist view, I believe, is that everything in Judaism needs balance. Everything in Judaism is about balance. There's no extremism in Judaism, period. There's no extremism in Judaism. But what? There has to be the balance. It means you have to create that boundary. I personally don't believe that there should be any rating system in, in television, in movies, in, in internet. I don't think there should be any rating system. Why? If it's not appropriate for your child, it's not appropriate for you. It's either appropriate or it's inappropriate. And I, I, I to me, I don't understand this thing. Oh, if you're older than a certain age, then it's not a problem. If you're younger than a certain age, it is a problem. Why? Because of his innocence? Oh, so we understand that there's a problem here with innocence. So why would it be okay for someone who's older than that age? Because you have the discretion to decide to override it. To me, it just doesn't make any sense. For me, I say if it's not good enough for my kids, it's not good enough for me. It just doesn't make any sense otherwise. But notwithstanding that, I think that some measures of protection need to be placed there for our children so that they don't fall into a trap so that they don't fall into something that is that they don't have the strength or the wherewithal to handle it. And what I think you're saying, which is, I believe, the key to all of it 
is that you have to have a solid relationship with your children. It mandates a relationship with our children that is, it, it's just unshakable because it's inevitable that they will face a challenge or two, whether it be in their social life, whether it be with technology or any other area, that they're going to need to not confide but seek counsel and have the advice and wisdom of their parents. And if we don't have a relationship, then they're just dealing with it on their own. And usually it's not dealt with properly if they're dealing with it on their own. And it could have tragic results. What's very difficult about that and what what I want all of us to know is how does one get a deep and meaningful relationship with one's child? It's very difficult because you cannot be judgmental. You have to always look at them in a very positive light and never assume that they're what they what happened to them or if they got exposed in some way was an intentional thing. And really, when you think about it, it's so there's an agenda. <laughs> there's an agenda in the technology that's out pushing things. You have to be aware of that. And it's not through no fault of their own. They're, they're just people are naturally curious about the world around them. And with technology, their ability to satisfy their curiosity is amazing. And that's what they're going to want to do. And what you're doing is you're creating that you're by, you have to recognize that curiosity in and of itself is not a bad thing. And they're not bad. They happen and they need to be dealt with. And by non, not being as non-judgmental as possible with your children and letting them know that and letting them recognize that and not looking down at them in any way, that's the way you'll be creating an open channel that they'll say, you know what? Maybe, maybe my father can help me with this challenge. Maybe it's something I can bring up to him and not be embarrassed. It's a very, very hard thing and a very, very important thing. I think that's crucial. And what I mean by develop a deep and meaningful relationship with one's child is that where you can talk freely and they can talk freely without any judgment. I'm listening. I'm open. I'm letting them lead the conversation. I want to hear what they have to say. And this is not only in technology, obviously. It's in all areas of their life. It's God dictated that this is what we need in this final generation to be that have a real behashiv with is the verse that verse that we that we read in Navi. There's a connection of the hearts between parent and child is the last thing that we need prior to the Messiah coming. And that's what I think is what it's all about. So I've had four teenage children and you know, we've gotten to this conversation probably with each one of our children where they at some point say, so, so do you not trust me? And I'm like, it's not an issue of trust here. The Torah doesn't trust us. The Torah tells us very clearly that no one is trusted. No one. Even the greatest rabbi on earth with a beard from here to Bnei Brak is not trusted. That means there's, there's, there's that always that, that point where, yeah, does that mean that someone is being accused or someone is being thought of as doing or something? Suspected. Which, or suspected. There's a big difference between, right. Definitely not. We don't suspect anyone. We, we think of everyone as being righteous and holy. But 
that does not mean that we can't fall into a trap. And that's what we're there. That's what it's there for. It's to create the defense mechanism so that if someone is in that trap, they can get out of it. So I want to give a few practical pieces. Number one is that I believe that any child that has an open phone without any restrictions is reckless and the parents are making a, an enormous mistake. It's, it's definitely not good for children to have access to every single app that's out there, to be able to communicate with whoever they want, to be freely downloading or watching or having access to things that are, you know, out there in the world. I think it's, I think it's pure recklessness. So I want to give a few tips to parents with little children because I've gotten this question. I'm sure you've gotten this question multiple times, Rabbi Nagel. And people say, okay, okay, I, I understand. I need to limit, limit their, their exposure out there. I need to limit their, their phone access. What do I do? So first is there's a great organization called TAG, which is the awareness organization that was created for technology. It's, 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 we understand we're living in a world where technology is a reality. Like we're not living in the stone age where we're still saying it doesn't exist. It exists. It's the reality. Most people need it for work. People need it for their, for their jobs. People need it for, for multiple reasons. And even kids today, there are many schools that communicate with their students only through these means that are available only on smartphones. So what are you going to do? You have to provide it for your kid in some way. Now, if it was, if you were in a situation where they didn't have that kind of, of need, okay, so fine, you're lucky. But for most of us in the real world, that's the reality. That's the reality. There's no way to avoid it. So what do you do? So on all Google phones, just so that you know, there is a built-in Google app, which is called Family Link, which is a brilliant protector for children. You can control the amount of time they spend on their phone. You can control what apps they have on their phone, if they can download, what they can download. And it is, I highly recommend you look into that if you need that on an Android phone. If you have an Apple phone, you can have parental parental controls, and you can set up your own password, which hopefully your children don't know, that can limit the amount of time and the same type of restrictions. The only difference is that you can't control it from your phone to what goes on on their phone. You could do that on an Android phone, but that's that's on a technical thing. What's about regular computers? Most kids don't use computers today, but for adults. I have uh, what my rabbi recommended is to have, we have a, a app that we use, which is called Web Haver. And web chaver is basically, you can go anywhere in the world that you want, but you have a chaver, you have a friend that receives a log of every website you've gone to with a rating. So even if you go to a news website that has something, a story someplace down on the bottom, which is triggering the rating, the, the rating uh, it'll show up. And, you know, you can go to CNN.com and it'll show up as a trigger of, you know, something which is, I guess, a, a bad rating because of the words that are found on that page. So that's also something. So you, you think twice, you know, should I go to that website? I really prefer not, especially if it's a, a friend that you respect and you look up to and they see the log. It's just uncomfortable. And the idea is not that we have a police patrol here for the websites we go to. The idea is that we have a defense mechanism within ourselves to protect our own spirituality because there's nothing more valuable than our relationship with God. And that relationship with God can be severely affected by the things that we watch, things that we see, things that we're exposed to. So if we're 
protecting our children, which I believe every sane parent should do, we should also find a way to protect ourselves. The child within. Yeah, we, we, there's no difference in our spirituality of us being an adult and us being a child. Spiritually, our neshama is just as fragile. So, but also to talk to our children, to have an open conversation, not to do a dictatorship of these are the rules and this is the way it's going to be. We have to have a strong enough, close enough relationship with our child that they understand that this is for their benefit. This is something that they're agreeable with as well and come up with a happy medium that it's something that they are comfortable with and that they realize it's called yeah. getting buy-in. Very, very important. Get buy-in because, and it, again, I think it's important when you asked about the trust question. It's like saying, it, uh, I'm not, it's not even a question of trust or not trust. It's, you're not recognizing or you need to realize that there's agendas out there that are preying on you. And that's something that's so important. Yeah. We both know an individual who was working for Facebook and his job at Facebook was to create the addictive element to the content. That was his job. His job was to figure out the psychology of the user and what we need to do to keep them spending time. People were spending, people are spending the majority of their day on the internet. Now, hopefully it's not another productive tool, by the way, is that I read an article about Steve Jobs and, uh, you know, all of these, uh, big, big uh, Fortune 500 the CEOs of technology. And the first thing was that they don't let their children have devices. That's the first thing. They all unilaterally did not allow their children to have devices because they know the, 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 the pitfalls of it. <laughs> Not only the pitfalls. They, they created they, it. They created it. They realize what they're doing is creating an addictive environment. That's what their intent is. It's not unintentional. It's very intentional. It's premeditated. And that's a matter of like saying, I was like, it's not a question of trust. Uh, I'm not thinking that you're a bad person, but there's forces that are trying to prey on you. And you need to be aware of that. It's that you need to just know that these are dangers that are out there. I was like, what do you mean? I'm just having an innocent conversation with some random person. No, no such thing. Nothing good comes out of that, right? So that's, that's, that's a huge challenge. There's another point here, which is that it's a huge time waster. Um, and that I saw the, those executives, CEO Bill Gates and, and, uh, Jeff Bezos, and they all have technology companies. Elon Musk, I'm sure, does the same thing. He wasn't in that article, but I'm sure he does. And that is that they didn't touch their device till a certain hour of the day. That means, like, imagine, like, you start your day at the 6, 7 o'clock in the morning, and then you don't touch your phone till 10, 11, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, meaning you get your productive work done. You don't, you're not responsive to the world and the text messages and the emails and the, you know, all of the messaging that you're getting from other people. You're not responding. You're using your, your creativity to produce in the beginning of your day. And then only later on, that way it doesn't take away from your productive time. And I found that uh, to be extremely useful myself is where I have till a certain hour in the morning where I have, it's called focus time, where I don't have my device, my device works, but I, all of the apps that I would typically use and or respond to emails and things like that don't show up on my phone till a certain hour of the day. 
And I guess unless it's an emergency and I can unlock it. But the idea is, is that it gives you time to focus on the things that are important. And you can limit for yourself how much time you use on, on certain apps. The, the idea is not that we have a restrictive lifestyle. The idea is that we have a productive lifestyle and not allow these things to minimize our productivity. Another crucial thing, and I think this is true in life, one of the huge innovations that the Muslim movement focused on is the idea of what we would call a cheshben nefesh making a calculation. An accounting and, of the soul. An accounting of the soul. It's what, it's, it's not invented by the Muslim movement, but they focus, they put a very important focus on it. Today and it's called mindfulness. It's so huge to take an accounting of your day and look back and say, well, let's see how much time actually went on my device and be aware of that. That's called, that itself is like you creating yourself a challenge. It's like, that's way too much time. I need to be, do, do a measure to put a stop to that or to limit it. That's really what it is. It's very, very important to, for oneself, this has nothing to do with the child. It's a great conversation to have with your child and with yourself and say like, look, this is my challenge I made for myself. I think it's such a great idea. Maybe you should look into this and think about it. And let's also, what is creative ways that we can say, you know, let's not make it the focus of our lives. I think that's such a important, that's a, that's, that's really, and that's, and once you're doing that, guess what? There's a lot of things you can think about in your day about what you did. That's what life is all about. When before you go to bed, to have a review of what you did that day and make an accounting. And that's a great way to make your life always one step closer. The next day is a new day. More productive. Let's make it more productive. Let's make that day count even more. All right. No, Hashem should help us all that we should have the the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding that uh you know, these tools were created like we started off the beginning of this uh, podcast, it was created for us. It was created for us to use and to utilize for our strengthening of our relationship with God. And there's an enormous, enormous amount of technology that could be utilized for Torah, an enormous. There's an unbelievable resource of Torah classes and podcasts and videos that are online that are from bona fide, real Jewish, God-fearing sources that can help us grow and connect. And on the opposite side, like Zeluma said, there's also, sadly, a spiritually devoid content out there that can draw us away from our real purpose and real, and real meaning. Hashem should bless us all to utilize this gift of technology in the appropriate way to use them to bring ourselves and our families and, and the people around us to be an inspiration and to use it for good things, not to share what we ate for dinner last night and, and, and the places we went. Of course, it's great to share the beauty of Hashem, but, and not to make people jealous. It's just another important point, but really to use it as a tool, as a vessel through which we elevate ourselves and connect on a higher level to the Almighty. Amen. Beautiful. All right, my dear friends, thank you. But please, 
To all of our viewers and listeners out there, Rabbi Nagel and I would love to hear your feedback on this podcast. And if you have any questions or comments or advice or future podcasts that you'd like to hear us discuss, we'll be very, topics. very happy to, to receive your email at unboxing at torchweb.org. Please don't hesitate to email us. We look forward to seeing your feedback. And if you like this podcast or video, please click like, please give us a feedback because that helps the, the universe of podcasting. It helps us reach more people. So my dear friends, thank you so much. Pleasure. And don't forget, have a beautiful Purim ahead.